everyone, welcome. It's Erin Fisher with the Kappa Kappa Gamma Career Academy Series. You are so lucky today. You actually have three friends from Oregon who are going to share some of the highs and lows of returning to the workforce after taking some time away. I can't wait to hear some of their best advice and wisdom. So let's get started. We've got Beth Sheehan, we've got Molly Watts, and we've got Barbara Bear. Beth, tell us where you're from. What are you doing these days? I'm from Eugene, Oregon, where the University of Oregon is located. And I am the director of philanthropy for the Eugene Mission, which is the largest rescue, um, homeless rescue shelter in the state of Oregon. And Molly, what about you? What are you doing these days? Well, I am just north of Beth. I'm up outside of Portland, Oregon, and I am the sales counselor for Rose Villa Senior Living. It's a nonprofit continuing care retirement community here in Portland. Oh, that's fabulous. My grandma is 98 years old and she's in senior living right now. She's still mad that we moved her from independent care to assisted <laughs> living. At 98, she still wants to be on her own, if you can believe that. I love that. Absolutely. All right, Barbara, what about you? Where are you calling in from this morning, and what are you doing these days? Well, I'm calling in from Sun Valley, Idaho, but I actually live in Seattle, Washington, and um, I am recently formed with a former colleague of mine, a company called Brown and Bear Customer Experience Consulting, and um, have just started this company, so it's brand new for me. Oh, this is exciting. We're going to have to get together later to talk about women entrepreneurs. We may have to record a second podcast. <laughs> Would love to. All the things that you're learning. Y'all, this is such an important topic. I think that women are in a unique position to really have to think about going and finishing their undergrad as capital women and then maybe needing to take some time off for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's because of a partner needing to transition to another company or another city or another country. Sometimes we work so hard and we need to take a sabbatical. And sometimes the reason is we want to start a family and that family is taking a priority or there's a shift in the dynamic in the family that requires some women to take that break to raise children. No matter what the reason is, I think that the question all of us have is simple. Why are we scared to leave? And also, why are we so scared to come back? What are some of the fears? So if you don't mind, Molly, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk us through really quickly, why do you think women are scared to leave once they're already in the workforce? Well, for me, I know that leaving meant that I was going to be 100% reliant on my husband's income. And I was scared of that. I was, at the time I left, I was actually earning more than my husband. So for us, it was a real decision in me stepping back. And secondarily, I was definitely scared that I wasn't going to love staying at home and being a mom, I, that I was going to feel a sense of loss for my career and that sort of self-sufficiency, I guess. That was something that was definitely a big fear of mine. Yeah, that makes sense. Beth, Barbara, Anything that you would add? Why are we so afraid to leave in the first place? Well, I would really agree with Molly on the fear of letting go of your income. And I also think that there's 
somewhat a sense of self-identity in a woman's ability to provide for herself and to be strong and to be contributing and to not necessarily quantify that by what your paycheck is. I agree. I had spent over 20 years working for a company and losing my financial independence and was was really difficult for me to think about. It was a very hard thing to think about going from independent to dependent, even though it was a joint decision between my husband and I. It was also something for me to think about going from I had worked so hard to get to where I was and I put so much time and effort into building my career and the thought of, of losing my identity outside of my family unit that I'd worked so hard to create, I, I thought, how, what, what would that look like when I was leaving my, I was at the top of my game and what would it look like for me to, to leave that and what would it be if I wanted to go back to my career later on in life? What would that look like? And could I get there again? Well, and don't you feel like you don't know when that return is? I, I've often said, if somebody gave me a timeline of all the troubles that would happen in the world or all the things that gave me anxiety, I would be ready because I would know what the timeline and the deadline is. But when you don't know how long you'll be gone or, or what will happen if you do want to return, that causes some anxiety, don't you think? I definitely think it does. And the other thing I thought that was, was difficult for me to think about was how would I envision myself as, for, for me, I was going, I, we made the decision for me to go and, and take care of our kids. And could I envision myself as a full-time caregiver? And did I have what it took to be that? I, I just didn't know if I, I could be good at that. I was very fearful that I would not have the patience. I could not envision myself like staying home taking care of little children all day long. That was a very frightening idea to me. And then I ended up having two more. So I really got good at staying home with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also had a, a career in sales. And so my days were so driven by quotas and accomplishments that I worried about how I would come to the end of the day and figure out what I accomplished. It was completely amorphous. Did you do anything to structure your day differently when you did stay at home? Well, one of the things I did, I, I left my job in 2003 in June at the end of um, our sales semester, and I started gardening. We had this big yard that had a lot of open space and, and spent that summer just sort of going through this transition, taking the kids to all the various activities that they had. and doing quite a bit of gardening. And then when they started back to school in the fall, I had always been that parent who um, wrote a check and hit the road. And I walked into school and said, I want to volunteer. I think all three of us, I know just from our having conversations before, were very active in volunteering while we were not being paid for work. And I think that that for me was an outlet to kind of channel that corporate energy, if you will. I just changed from being paid for what I was doing into a very driven volunteer, whether it be through the school or through local athletic foundations and then other things that came along the way as I went down that path of mothering. It actually helped me then when I did go back to work because I was able to use all of that experience, whether it was paid or unpaid, 
to show skills that I continue to use and hone being out of the workplace. I agree. I, I think um, in that capacity, Molly, I, I never really thought of myself when I, when I left my career as not without a job going, immersing myself into to volunteering because the projects I immersed myself in were very closely related to what I had done in my career such as because I was in sales, so I was doing a, in, in volunteering, I was doing many things connected with that fundraising and things that were on equal footing to what I had done in my career, but connected with what were associated with my, my children's things in, in what they did. Same with me. I um, had been in sales, and so I, and when I walked into school that first day and said I want to volunteer, they asked me if I'd help run the fundraiser, and it's always really hard to find volunteers to do that. And it was really right up my alley, and I, I did that for 15 years. Yeah, note to self, I was in sales too and was in charge of several different layers of fundraising. So if any of you, all of you yeah. that are listening, <laughs> if you're a salesperson, just plan on being the fundraiser for the volunteer <laughs> exactly. activities. Yeah, yeah, because nobody yeah. wants to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, have a, you'll have a volunteer role for life if you've got that skill. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, you all, I have been accused, especially in 2020, of being an overthinker. I am a strategy processor. Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. I can imagine for all of you that at some point you thought and potentially overthought the return. So we've talked about how did you leave, but now I want to talk about this piece when you had to to make the decision to return back to the workplace or workforce. So walk me through that. Barbara, talk to me real fast. What was going through your brain? What were the decisions that you were making? And how did you how did you make the ultimate decision to get back into the workplace? Returning to work after a 10 plus year gap, it it felt very similar to when I started my job search in my early 20s. I worried I lacked real-world job experience, that my gap years played against me. I, I worried that instead of, of too young, I, I'd be considered too old. None of that really proved to be true. I, I needed to get up to speed on technology and continue to work on that. And then my first job back to work, I was I found myself working for a startup under the leadership of two 23-year-old entrepreneurs, um, thanks to a colleague I had previously worked with. Um, in the end, what we all discovered after that experience is we could gain a great deal from one another. Um, the two women who, one was me, in their 50s with years of sales and marketing experience outsold everyone that entrepreneurs had previously hired and we learned a great deal about technology and startups from these forward-thinking millennials who never questioned our ages ever. I was on a different path. I kind of transitioned myself slowly back into the corporate work world. I actually worked, started my own at-home business first because it felt kind of like a bridge. I was able to still work from home, still be at home, still go volunteer in the classroom. And I did that for quite a few years. And that was still when my kids were, my youngest was at least still in elementary school. And at a certain point, it became obvious that I was kind of capping out what I could do in terms of income there. And it became a situation like Barbara, where I was looking to make 
money that was in accordance with how much time I was working and what I really thought my skill set was. So I decided at a certain point to make the leap back to corporate life and was able to use both my volunteer experience and then my building that at home business as relevant experience to gain a new job again, new career. In going back all the way, it was really, uh, I think, first of all, it was my own mindset. It was just jumping over the idea of being on someone else's schedule again. That really kept me for a long time. I was worried about that. I was worried about being the older girl in the room, you know, somebody that are, and also just not being respected because I had taken, I had taken a almost 12 year break from being in corporate life. And so, like I said, it was really, that was all things that I was thinking in my own brain. And the reality was when I got back, none of those things were, were relevant. They weren't obstacles. I wasn't ostracized in any way. I wasn't looked at any differently. And I just jumped right back in. And the first month or so was definitely a transition for getting used to being back. But once I did and just got into the habit of doing it again, I really loved it. Sure. I imagine that you're feeling like you're giving up some of that flexibility. You're giving up the relationships that you've built because your schedule is so different. You have to be someplace at 8 a.m. and you may not have the flexibility to run to a meeting at 2 or get your hair done at 4. And so now all of a sudden you go, I am turning over my biggest part of my day to somebody else. And what am I going to be missing as a result? So I I work from home every day and I've got all the flexibility in the world. And I said, gosh, I think I'd be a horrible full-time employee for somebody else because I, I don't have to be someplace regularly. And man, I'll tell you what, I like getting up early in the morning and starting my day and getting done about mid afternoon. And not everybody can do that right now. So I feel grateful for all of that flexibility. So I, I can imagine for a lot of women and coming back, there are some other fears. What would you add to that, Beth? I think for me, I definitely agree with Molly. It was sort of looking at all of the freedom that I had, although my schedule was very busy, um, it was completely flexible depending on what I was doing on any particular day. And to go from, essentially I was doing quite a bit of event planning and, and volunteering during my 15 year break. And all of a sudden, you know, having an office to go to and an expectation to be there, not necessarily at 8 a.m., but just to be, you know, on campus. I worried that the office would feel like a battleground to me with time and just, you know, missing the lack of accountability for lack of a better term that I had when I was essentially working for free. Were there things that scared you that did not end up being a big deal? It ended up not being a big deal. I think the one piece of advice I would say to anybody who chooses to take a gap in time is don't put in a gigantic perennial garden and then walk away from it 15 years later. (laughs) I think one of the the biggest things is the pressure you put on yourself to immediately succeed. And I think that's on on both ways. The decision that I made to become a full-time mom and the decision I made when I made to go back to work. I think that essentially women are driven to succeed and and have very high expectations of themselves. And I think that I put incredibly high expectations of myself to immediately succeed in both areas. And rather than allow myself to 
go through the motions of getting through it and knowing that there's going to be a, a slow starting point and a learning curve in both areas, it, it will be okay, but it, it takes some time. I would definitely echo that because it's the, it's just anticipate being uncomfortable in either scenario, whether when it's go back to work or being at home, because there will be that time frame and that transition time when you really are questioning your decision. And questioning the decision is totally okay. That does not mean that everything has gone wrong. That does not mean that you made a bad decision. That just means you're normal. But I also think that you have to give it some time and not just react to an uncomfortable feeling. Sometimes we are quick to make a decision. And had I really like reacted to that first decision to stay home, because quite honestly, it was harder for me when I stayed home at first than it was when I went back to work. I was much more uncomfortable for a longer period of time at home than I was when I eventually went back to work, that discomfort period. And if I had reacted and gone right back, you know, just said, oh, I, this isn't for me. I'm not cut out to be a stay-at-home mom. I would have missed out on some of the most magical years of my life. I agree completely. I totally agree with that. I love that. Y'all, I have to imagine that beyond your own mental prep and the dialogue that you have to say, this is hard and challenging, but I'm going to stick it out, and both sides of the equation my guess is that there were a lot of people who supported you and who showed up to be on your team. Can you all talk to me about who supported you in the transition and is there anything in particular that they did or they said that really made a big difference for you? For me, I came in to work for an organization and I'd served on their board for five years prior to joining their staff and to have them say to me, we are so lucky to have you. And in my mind, my internal voice is thinking, boy, I hope I don't, I hope I don't disappoint you. <laughs> For me, it was beyond my family. And obviously, my husband was a big help and a big support during the whole thing. But definitely, the group of people that were most beneficial for me were my friends, my at-home moms that continued to stay at home, because that was the hardest part for me was giving up being, you know, where my kids were, just like we talked about, about the flexibility, but not being able to volunteer, not being able to go to events or field trips like I had in the past and feeling like I was missing out. And I had such a great group of moms and friends who took pictures and took my kids and made sure my kids didn't feel like they were the ones without their mom there, you know? It sounds like you all rallied together. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They just supported me and helped me in ways that I really appreciated. <laughs> yeah. For me, of course, my family, um, there was never any doubt in their mind when I went, decided to go back to work that I should and could go back to work anytime. And then I would say I am forever in debt to the, the moms who, when I was working, who were there for me and, and my kids. I, I work I, until my kids were in middle school and the help that they gave me while my kids went, when I was working to support me and my kids, like Molly had said, was I, it, it was amazing. And so when I decided to stay at home, I tried to pay it forward in every way that I possibly could to other moms who didn't have the choice to stay at home with their kids because I, I suddenly understood what it was like to be on both sides. 
So yeah, there's an amazing support network of families and parents out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I think it's just a reminder of the power of really strong female relationships and how with the right team, you all can support each other in such beautiful ways. Absolutely. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny, Barb, listening to you. I'm realizing you worked and then you took a break later I was, you know, the opposite. I was, my kids were, when I stopped working, my oldest were four and two, and then I still hadn't had my other two yet. So when I went back to work, when my youngest was in second, third grade, and my older boys were in middle school, high school, they had never known me as a working person. They didn't realize, I mean, I was mom. They had no idea that I had a corporate life. And so, I mean, they knew I volunteered and they knew I was very active, but the whole idea of me being like a successful business person, your kids kind of knew you as that. I never had that. So for me, when I went back and got a job, it felt normal to me, like I was just revisiting someone that I had been. But to my kids, they were like, who's that? What is, mom's getting like dressed up. Who's she, you know? So when I decided to step off work, my son was four and my older daughter was entering middle school and we were at a swimming pool with my sister who was helping with childcare and my four-year-old son dove headfirst into the pool and started swimming and I realized I didn't even know how he learned how to do that. I wasn't aware of his swimming lessons and I realized how much I was missing. I had a job where I had over 50% overnight travel and we had so much help helping us so that I could continue this crazy pace. So when I stepped off, I think everyone sort of looked at me and thought, I hope she's going to be okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you all, I have a really good mentor and family friend, Carla, and she has four children. And I remember when the last one graduated from college and everybody was fully out of the house, I looked at her and I said, are you going to be okay? And she said, are you kidding me? I'm going to be awesome. She said, I think you thought that everything revolved around these four kids. And I said, gosh, Carla, from my seat, it really did. And I didn't know how you did it all. And she said, listen, I think we're going to be just as busy with four children as we were when they were all living here because now they're all spread out across the country and have different needs. But she was such a good reminder to me of the pace that she was going was going to be different, but it was still going to be healthy for her. And that was such good wisdom for me. Mm -hmm. You know, my youngest went from high school straight into the U.S. Coast Guard, six weeks out of high school. So I called it this radical empty nesting where it was, it was like, peace out. Thanks for all the rights to soccer. See you never. (laughs) And I, you know, I really went through about a year of wondering what my next was going to be. So it's been interesting as we've headed into the season of COVID and I have a lot of female coworkers who have younger kids who are in school and they're torn between working and trying to help with their online learning. And I was talking to a coworker in April who felt this tremendous sense of guilt and burden that she was going to furlough because of her family and the needs during this pandemic. And I just looked at her and said, do it. You will never get those years back. Trust me, never apologize for making a decision to pay attention to raising your young humans. This is kind of interesting when we talk about support and uh, this kind of a, the CAPA has this uh, thing called the Leadership Academy. 
And my best friend from Cap, the Kappa house, Lori, called me up one day and encouraged me to sign up for this with her. And I thought, okay, what? I don't know what you're talking about. But we, I signed up and, and we went. And it's in Ohio. And they put us in these small groups. And you're with collegiates and alums. And it's mostly collegiates that was in my small group. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm the oldest person in this group. What in the world? I mean, the, no one, and I was kind of in a frame of mind. It was before I, I had just worked with this group of 23 year olds that I had talked about and I, I, we just finished our project and I didn't know what I was going to do next. And I really wanted to go back to work, but I wasn't feeling, I was feeling, what am I going to do? And, and I wasn't feeling relevant. I was still feeling like I'm in my fifties. What am I going to do? And this leadership academy with these collegiate kappas actually helped me launch into this this new thing that I've started, um, this this company that we were starting. And it was because these young women, they actually made me feel relevant. It was amazing how these collegiates actually made me feel like I could actually do this and that they were listening and responding to me. They took me seriously as a businesswoman. So I am forever grateful to that experience that Kappa gave me for that. And I'm telling every single person I know to attend that now. You know, one of the interesting things for me, Barbara, I love that, is um, coming back to work at the age of 54 and wondering if I was going to be relevant. And I went from being a young professional to being an old professional and having people look up to me or say, I just sit at your feet. You have such great ideas. And I'm thinking, how, how did I become this advancing age woman in the workplace? You all, I've got to transition this because I've got to know from your perspective, as you are sharing all of these stories, do you think that women can have it all? And based on that response, I mean, how did you get to that decision? And the reason why I ask that, because there's so many mixed messages for women about whether they can or cannot have it all. And so I'm, I'm just so anxious to hear what your feedback is. Molly, I want to start with you first. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I definitely am a person that believes you can have it all. I agree, and I think I saw a comment from Beth maybe that there are seasons of life, and I would agree with that. But I also believe that it is a matter of what you allow yourself to believe. And so much of the time, it's our own self-limiting beliefs that hold us up from being really our best selves in any part of our lives, whether it's our, our home life or our career as a mom, as a worker. And what I found, and I think it does take a certain amount of perspective. And so being older now, the thing I've learned the most is I've dropped all my couldas, wouldas, and shouldas, and I just learned to drive in my lane where I am and be as in, in the day, in the moment, in the time, in the place. I really try to focus on where I am and what I'm doing and be as grateful and productive at the same time as I can be. And I really think that it takes a mindset and it requires mindfulness, but that to me is the is the key. It's my own perception of having it all. That's a great way of thinking about it and not comparing yourself to all of the other colleagues or neighbors or friends. Right. There's no, I mean, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. That's what they say. And I totally believe that. I just, you can't allow yourself to go down those mind traps, in my opinion, 
and I just think you can never, never say never and don't tell yourself that you can't do something and also be prepared to be surprised. I really think, you know, listening to Barbara talk about starting a new entrepreneurial adventure at 56, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? And that's available to us. It's available to all of us. Barbara and Beth, what would you add to this debate that we've been having for, it seems forever, can women have it all? To me, it's one of those big, hairy questions. Having it all means different things to different people. And for sure, it's just never easy. And it depends on choices available, priorities for the individual, a support system that you have to have in place. As women, we're survivors, and there's always going to be a compromise in our quest for getting it right. I was fortunate later in my career to have choices. I didn't have it all at the same time. Um, it came at different times. So making compromises with my career gave me my personal version of what I feel having it all is. I never ended up making it all the way up the corporate ladder, but that was my personal conscious decision. And now I'm, I'm making it now by going back to work and giving what I believe is the best of me. For, for me, can you have it all at the same time? I think in order to have it all, you have to expend so much of yourself. And so I don't think there's any possible way to give 100% of yourself to everything. So my answer is, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I love what um, Molly said about comparison being the, the thief of joy. I do think that having it all really is, as you both said, a, a perception that you have of where you are in your life and what you're doing. And I think that's what I was referring to when I was speaking of seasons. Um, your priorities change. So during the early years when I was at home, my entire focus really was on my kids, my family, my husband's surgical practice that we were building. And so I was very vested in um, and immersed in the daily vicissitudes of all of that. And as the kids grew older and I began to look at going back to work and now as a complete empty nester, sometimes when I'm walking across campus at work, I pinch myself and think, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. I absolutely love it. And, and again, this is my, the kids are launched, they're good. And um, this is my, my new chapter. Okay, here's the big question. What were the biggest changes when you walked back into the office on that first day or that first week or even the first month? Well, clearly technology had changed just a bit since the last time I had been in an office. When I first started selling, um, I used a phone book, a Yellow Pages, and um, had no computer. So, I mean, when I left the workplace, my cell phone was, I, I had a cell phone, but it was literally the size of a, like, you know, I don't know, a bottle of wine. It was huge. And so things um, had radically changed in terms of technology. And I was definitely concerned about my ability to navigate that. But luckily, you know, the home technology scene in terms of having a laptop at home and having a self, you know, everything had transitioned so that we were using all of that stuff at home. It really wasn't as scary as I anticipated, though I will say that I could never, I have never been able to free myself of taking notes on a piece of paper during meetings. So that's something that I, that never went away and still doesn't go away for me. Molly, I'm the same way. Give me that notepad so I can write it all down. Right. <laughs> I think that that was, for me, going from a paper calendar to a complete 
um, electronic calendar, I actually had to kind of go gradually, like I had the paper calendar and the computer calendar. And I, I said, I felt like my brain was pulled pork and it was just being pulled apart. Like just go digital Beth, you can do it. And now I'm completely online, but it took me about a year to really get my calendaring down. And back when I was um, working, I was in pharmaceutical sales and had a statewide territory and it was, it, I was just cracking up when you were talking, Molly. We, you know, you'd pull over on the side of the road to a payphone so you could check your voicemail. There was no text messaging. You know, I'd get up and drive to Klamath Falls, do business, come home, and then, you know, pick up my phone and check my voicemail. And I think now, you know, we coordinate all of our work projects through online platforms like Asana or Smartsheets, and everything's in Outlook, Calendar, Google Calendar. And we have text messaging and we've got WhatsApp and social media. There's just so many conduits to communicate now. And I think that it doesn't give us more time. We just do more because there's there's more ways to do it. 100% agree. Beth, you and I must have been like, I don't know, we were probably just missing each other because I had this whole, I had the whole I-5 corridor too in my pharmaceutical sales days down there going out to Klamath Falls and Medford and Ashland and all of it. But uh, yeah, same thing, you know, the technology in terms of freeing us up, I don't know that it makes us more free. It just makes us available to work all the time, which is definitely a benefit for people, for, for ladies that are looking at this opportunity now, as opposed to back when we were deciding to stay at home. There are so many more opportunities to combine work life and home life that allow you to stay at home and work in a more flexible schedule, but I'm not sure that, that it's completely a good thing. I agree. I was actually lucky enough to, during part of my years, I was able to work partly at home. Um, my company allowed me to, so I worked three days at home and two days at the office during sort of the end of my time with Four Seasons. And it was good, but on the other hand, it was very isolating. And when you're in sales, that's a tough one. It was rewarding because I could be close to my family and my kids, but it was a very um, lonely time too, working from home. You all, that conversation leads me to my next question, which is what advice would you have given yourself on the days and weeks before returning into the office or particularly the days and weeks right after you got back into the office. What do you know now that you didn't then that would have been helpful to know? Two things that I would I would contribute to that. One is a, a, a quote that someone, some advice that someone gave me and that I've kept with me. And it's, when you make a decision, make it the right decision. And in other words, don't second guess yourself look back or let others put self-doubt into your head. You're making a decision from your lens and basing it on your personal experiences. So make the decision and know it's the right decision for yourself. And that's been a really important thing for me to go with. The, the second one is when you decide to make a change, it's never gonna be easy. And you have to work at it and give it and yourself some time and make it what you want it to be. And those would be my two reflections in looking back. I agree with both of those. And I would add on, and this has been something that continues to be a learning thing for me, but I would just say, don't worry so much. And I say that to myself still all the time, but 
worrying is one of those things that feels like we're doing something productive when in fact all we're doing is nothing that solves a problem. And so I really tried to grow myself out of that habit and being a stay-at-home mom and then a working mom really tests that because there's a lot of things going in motion all the time and it's easy to fall into the trap of worrying about home when you're at work and then worrying about work when you're at home and none of that is useful thinking or useful energy and it's really been a lesson for me is to just remind myself to just not worry so much. Yes and if you've got the antidote Molly for how to do that I will drink that Kool-Aid for sure. And I'll tell you, some of my favorite moments with women in my career have been when they, it's late at night, we have the real, honest, raw, transparent, vulnerable conversations that really say, listen, I don't have anything figured out today, and I need you to know that I'm a hot mess, and I'm happy to bring somebody else on the Hot Mess Express with me. For some reason, that joining of forces to say, you may think that I've got a few things figured out, but man... I've got maybe one today. That equalizer or that joy of knowing that people are on your team and they're, they have the same struggles as you do gives me a little bit of grace. What about you all? I love the Hot Mess Express. That is wonderful. <laughs> You're welcome to join anytime. <laughs> you know, just one other thing that was a surprise to me um, I hadn't considered was um, returning to work. I think that we have tremendous strength and um, comfort from women friends. And we can also have women coworkers who can be real detractors. And um, for me, there was a little bit of a stigma that I had, you know, left the workplace and was I hungry enough to return? Did I really need to work? And why was I working, especially as my husband was approaching retirement? And to try to come up with a justification and explanation for why I was doing what I was doing, realizing that at, at this season, I'm not really working for the paycheck. And in fact, I'm making a lot less than I did in my earlier career. But I'm, I'm working because I, I have these skills, I have this passion, I have time, I have focus, and I love this. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? You all, I would tell women in their early 20s to breathe a little bit more. I would imagine that that would be helpful because the pursuit of trying to figure it all out feels so evident every single day. And for me, I wish somebody would have just said to me, it will all come in its own time and breathe through the process, but don't forget to enjoy it along the way. Oh, 100%. That's kind of goes along the same lines of just don't worry so much especially when you're young and you're staying home with kids, it's really easy to worry that every decision you make is going to impact the whether or not they're going to turn out all right, you know, and you concern yourself with things that probably you shouldn't. And being able to enjoy that moment and enjoy those times and really, because I guarantee you, and I know that Barbara and Beth will echo this as well, it goes so much quicker than you will ever believe. And I can remember, <laughs> I can remember sitting there with four young boys thinking I was never going to survive this and how in the world and who was, who decided this? I wasn't a part of this equation when I decided, you know, which wasn't true, of course, but that's how I felt. 
and now looking back, I just, you know, my youngest just turned 21 and I am in awe that it went as fast as it did. I agree. Things that happened a decade ago feel like they were just a couple days ago. And I love talking to some of my younger friends with their young children. I say to them, the days are long, but the years are short. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. And everyone defines success differently. And I think that's what's so important for young people to, to recognize and realize that there's no specific definition of success. Take the pressure off of having to have what everybody else, what you presume that everybody else has. Yes, I mean, to me, I, I have exactly what I wanted. I mean, I got to exactly where I wanted to when I look back at, at everything. And, you know, I, we have a, a happy family and, and you know, it, there were ups and downs and bumps and bruises along the way. And that's just what life is. You know, you look back and you think, wow, I can't believe we made it. <laughs> you all, I want to ask one final question before we head out today, which is, how do you do a good job of supporting other women who are making these big life choices, who are making the decisions to honor what they need for themselves or for their family or both? And how do you show up for them and support them, particularly in the workplace? Well, I'd, I'd start with that. Um, I think particularly in, the, in this last year, we've seen parents with young children who are working really struggle with how they navigate the whole online learning platforms and how they're there for their children and there for work when they have work and their children all the time. And to just be very encouraging to them that, that what they're doing with their families is of infinite value and you won't get those years back. And so don't ever apologize for focusing on your family. I, I agree. And I feel really lucky to work for an employer who is very supportive of uh, everyone's needs at home in terms of exactly that. It has been a just beyond challenging year in terms of trying to incorporate at-home learning and working and then working remotely. So it's being in two places at the same time, ultimately. And so for me, I, I have to say, I was like, good gosh, am I really glad that I am not in that stage of life any longer because that would be really, really challenging. And at the same time, trying to support the other uh, moms that I know are there and encourage them, just like Beth said, that they're doing the most important job that they can in being with their family and I guess covering that, you know, whatever I can do to take the load off from them at work, I'm happy to help. I would say that um, when you're investing in your family and in children, um, to Molly's point about are they going to be okay, it, it is, it's an investment and you won't see those returns immediately. I, my youngest is getting ready to turn 22 next week, I can hardly believe that and I'm so proud of who he's become and I, I don't regret for a minute that I took some time to really invest in his future without the regular paychecks coming in or the, that immediate gratification or that immediate, yeah, you did that. It is. It's an investment. So to all the women who are listening, we're giving you a permission slip to do what you need to do to take care of what you need to take care of. You do not need a permission slip from us, but just in case you forget that you are in the right spot, we've got your back. And I think that we're all supporting all of the women who are making those tough decisions every single day. 
Molly, Barbara, Beth, you all have been friends for years, and it was so fun to get all of you together today to have this brilliant conversation and really learn about your experiences. A huge shout out to Molly, Barbara, and Beth for the advice and wisdom. And I love the conversation that we just had at the end about supporting other women on whichever journey is most important to them. Y'all, if you need a hall pass, if you need a permission slip, or you need a cheerleader, this crew has got your back. Again, feel free to join us for all of the other Career Academy podcasts, and we wish you the best of luck no matter where you are in your journey. This Career Academy series is brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, hosted by Aaron Murphy Fisher and produced by me, Ryan Gannon. Special thanks to today's guests, and a very special thank you to Kim Mirabelli, Villanova, whose generous support makes this programming possible. 